back like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. I'm Steph Albiero. I'm here, as always, with the fantasy phenom, Alex Lott. And we're getting into this rookie class, giving you our essentially consensus rankings today. We're going to be doing a mock draft the first round. Let us know if you guys want to see the second round. But it feels like with the craziest free agency offseason of all time that we've seen, it's still ongoing before us. Tyreek Hill trade coming in at the buzzer out of nowhere. You know, we, we had to, to kind of take a minute, step aside from these rookies, talk about some of these wily vets. But now it's time to get back into the rookies. We're a month away, literally a, a month from now, we will be sitting down, watching the NFL draft weekend unfold. Alex, you ready to get into this thing? I'm excited. It's going to be fun. I think we're going to have some surprises in here. I've, I've looked through our rankings. We're posting those in the Discord as well. So uh, if you want to follow along with our, our draft rankings, we have through round three, through round four for these rookies. They're going to be dynamic. They're going to be changing. Join that Discord in the link below. A lot of fun conversations in there. We're talking about dynasty trades, making sure we bring a good group mindset, that double move sports mindset to our dynasty leagues to help us get those titles. But Steph, let's jump in. I'm going to be nice today. I'm going to give you the 101, but I, I, I do feel like the 101 and the 102 is pretty chalk in these leagues. Beyond that, it's going to get interesting, interesting. but let's go ahead and start it off. You got it, the 101. 101, super chalk option. It's the highest ceiling combined with the highest floor, in my opinion, of any prospect, <laughs> yeah. quarterback, or running back. That's typically the position, right? Those scarce positions. The wide receiver position is so deep these days. Tight ends a crapshoot, no matter whether they're rookies or veterans for the most part. So when we're looking at the start of these Superflex rookie drafts, we're going to assume for today's conversation, it's PPR, 12-team, Superflex, kind of your your bread and butter dynasty format. Brace Hall has to be that 101. He's the most clear three-down workhorse out of all the projected top three running backs. He is the early declare. He has a very, very pristine injury history. He was dominant as a true freshman. Back-to-back seasons as Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, over 1,400 rushing yards, over 1,750 scrimmage yards, and 23 touchdowns both seasons. Improved efficiency on the ground every year. Took on more passing work as he got older. Caught 36 receptions as a junior. 5'11", 217 pounds, a 30.3 BMI. It's right in all the thresholds that we need. That's prototypical. NFL running back size with the 439 97th percentile 40 yard dash time to boot. I have seen some controversy about this year's 40s. I'm not I'm not going to undermine the NFL testing process and all these scouts and this entire industry that goes on. Though I do think the 40 times look a little bit inflated if you just compare to previous seasons. Unless you're Kyron Williams. <laughs> unless unless you're I know it makes it these guys that underperform in the 40-yard dash, was like, what was going on? How actually slow were they? But for Brees Hall, he's the chalk 101. I don't think much more needs to be said. The athleticism is what we, – we thought he was the number one running back in the class. We said he was our number one guy before the combine. Now it's just been solidified. So the one thing that could potentially undermine Brees is draft capital and landing spot. We expect him to get tremendous draft capital. We expect him to be the first running back off the board. And if he is, quite frankly, I don't care where he goes. He's still going to probably be the 101 for me. But if there's a situation where we see my pick at 102 go at, you know, in the top five picks, it's Malik Willis. I'll just throw that out there. If we see Malik Willis go like two overall to the Lions and Brees is like the second or third running back off the board for some reason and falls late round two and the landing spot isn't great, that's where there might start to be some debate there. So right now, Brees is the clear 101. There's not a lot that can take that away from him for me. Just as a prospect, he is fantastic. But right now, if you got the 101 in your league, I'd be willing to hear out offers. I have, I've somehow by matter of circumstance came across the 101 in every league I'm in. I actually traded it somewhere because I was offered Trevor Lawrence and Josh Jacobs for that pick just for the mere, you know, possibility that something happens with Brees Hall on draft day and he's not quite as strong of a, as a, a profile as we thought with the draft capital with the landing spot. T Law and Josh Jacobs was too much to pass up. So, all I'm saying is don't give it up for nothing, but we'll be willing to hear out some of these thirsty offers because the Brees hype train is running full steam right now, and it's probably only going to keep getting stronger. But, Steph, I'll move on to the 102. It's the next chalk pick for me, and it's Malik Willis. I mean, upside quarterbacks in these super flex leagues can be so hard to come by. You've told me all offseason you've been going after Trey Lance, 
in just about every single league that we're in together and you just can't get them. It's like you're offering to overpay all the stuff. This dude's played like two games in his NFL career and you can't get Trey Lance because people know he's one of these upside quarterbacks. Malik Willis has that same kind of profile and you can get him a lot cheaper right now. He's probably going to be the one or two in these super flex drafts. His draft capital has only been projected to be better and better and better as we've gone along. Now we've got guys like, you know, Matt Rule saying that he doesn't think he's going to be there at six when the Panthers pick. There's a lot of rumors to Malik Willis going two overall to the Lions. So I think Malik Willis is a top five pick on draft day. And just as a player, I absolutely love this guy. You think about the upside mold, you want a guy who runs the ball. And Malik Willis, not only can he run the ball, but he has a lot of those run first tendencies that we see out of guys like Jalen Hurts, that we see out of guys like Trey Lance, Lamar Jackson. Like he is not necessarily going to run if it's the last resort he's going to run if it's there and if he has an opportunity so if we look at his 2021 stats at liberty 878 rushing yards 13 rushing touchdowns he's a pretty big guy 6'1 219 so he's going to be able to run for a lot of these touchdowns as well you know he is a raw prospect that's the one thing about Malik Willis he might not go to a place where he starts day one but we saw that with Trey Lance last year sitting out for essentially sitting out for a year we saw a couple flashes here and there but the Trey Lance value has gone up even when he didn't play in his rookie season. So with Malik Willis going to a landing spot where he doesn't necessarily start day one, I don't think is a death sentence for him as a prospect, as a player could actually be good for him. And there's only been more and more hype for this guy as the process has gone along. He had a fantastic combine. He dazzled at his pro day, everything the from a pro character. day theatrics running around, getting everybody hyped always. up. There's always the pro day clip from a couple of guys each year <laughs> that you're just like, this is hilarious. Like can we, the, the throw was beautiful, but um, yeah, with Malik Willis, everything from a character perspective has checked out what you love to see from a guy who's potentially going to be leading your franchise. So when I look at Malik Willis, if I want a shot at one of these upside quarterbacks, rather than overpaying for Jalen Hurts, rather than overpaying for Trey Lance, at this point, the 102 might still be pretty pricey, but it might still be your best shot to go get a player who could be the next Hurts, the next Trey Lance. And we were talking a little bit before we hit record here, Steph. And with Willis, there's no reason he can't be Trey Lance value. I mean, we're valuing Trey Lance as a top a top dynasty quarterback right now, but Willis isn't all that different. He's going to come in as a raw prospect. He's got a strong arm, went to a smaller school, a little bit of a limited sample size. Arguably Malik Willis actually has more of a sample size at Liberty for two seasons than Lance had at an FCS school. Malik Willis is a run first guy. Trey Lance is a run first guy. Those tendencies are there. So I think there's a lot of parallels between these two players. So Malik Willis for me is the clear 102, and he's probably the only guy in this class that has any potential shot to overtake Brees at the 101. There have been points throughout this rookie draft process where I've had Kenneth Walker over Malik Willis. But mm-hmm. as the draft process has gone on, as he's getting mocked higher and higher, the drum beat is coming out from the Lions, from the Panthers. He's pretty much a lock for the top 10 right now. Now, every year it seems like these NFL mock draft experts get a lot of things wrong. And so we'll see, right? We'll have to, to readjust all these rankings. It feels like this year, landing spot, draft capital is going to actually have some major swings. If you think back to last year, you know, we did have Rashad Bateman, right? Once he landed in Baltimore, we moved him down a little bit. Well, we didn't move him outside of a tier. There weren't these major swings. We thought Rondell Moore landing in Arizona, they run a lot of four and five wide receiver sets, high pace of play, great opportunity for Rondell Moore to get on the field quick. But we didn't like shoot him up into another tier. This year, where you have guys like Rashad White, Brian Robinson, Desmond Ritter, Jamison Williams, even Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, that draft capital could be so important. We're moving guys tears away from where they're currently sitting right now. So we'll have to readjust all of this as the draft goes on. A lot of what's baked into our rankings here today and what we're talking about on today's show with the order of these players is based on the mocks that we're hearing from these experts, right? So a lot of things could be off. You know, no one had it. Henry Ruggs going over Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb two years ago in the draft, and we saw how all that played out. So draft capital, it's important for some positions more than others. But the reason you can't have Kenneth Walker over Malik Willis right now is because that ceiling is higher. Malik Willis could have the same start to his career as Justin Fields, Trey Lance, mm-hmm. and we're even Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence had one of the worst rookie seasons of all time, and he's still one of these highly valued dynasty assets. These quarterbacks value 
floor is just so, so high. Even if they don't do anything, you're one. And that's why you have to have Malik Willis over a Kenneth Walker, where if Kenneth Walker starts strong, you know, but isn't crazy over the top, doesn't look like a generational prospecting like that, then, you know, Malik Willis still gives you the higher ceiling and he won't, Walker won't be valued as high as Willis a year from now. So you got to think about, you know, a year from now, range of outcomes. I would still rather have Malik Willis as it stands today. But that does segue perfectly into the 103 going back to the running back spot. It is Kenneth Walker, a guy that I've been preaching for throughout this entire rookie draft process, had him firmly over Isaiah Spiller right from the jump. Kenneth Walker set the tone with his first touch he got in Michigan State, a carry up the middle, which he bounced on the outside, turns into a 75 rush to the house. I think he has the best breakaway run speed in this class, at least from when you look at his tape, better than Brees Hall. I know that's a hot take now that we're seeing the 40 times, but Kenneth Walker's only question, right? Like the running style is good. The J.K. Dobbins comps are out there. The Nick Chubb comps are out there as far as his running style. He led the country in yards after contact, led the country in broken tackles, 99th percentile dominator, literally carried the Michigan State offense, was responsible for 50% of total offensive yards and touchdowns. And that offense as a junior, now he's the early declare. He can truly get from behind the line to top speed in four steps. It's pretty crazy when you watch Kenneth Walker on tape. He has some of the most fun tape, I'd say, besides like Traylon Burks and Malik Willis of this entire class. The only question with Kenneth Walker is the pass catching work. And I've been preaching all over Twitter. Like I have Walker so firmly over Spiller because I believe it's easier for Kenneth Walker to add pass catching to his game. Just look at an A.J. Dillon, guy who got a lot of draft capital, didn't have really any receiving chops in his profile coming out of Boston College. You know, now he's been able to add that into his game in Green Bay, being utilized more and more for checkdowns out of the backfield. I don't think Kenneth Walker is going to be a Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift-type pass catching weapon but as a guy who I think can get it done and can add that to his game, certainly I think that's more plausible than Isaiah Spiller learning how to be a more shifty breakaway runner between the tackles. So Kenneth Walker's firmly this 103 for me. You add in the fact that the running back scarcity of the position makes that position so important. I'm taking Walker over any of these other quarterbacks, any of these high-end wide receivers, which it looks like there's about to be a run here over the next couple of picks. Yeah, I agree with Walker at the 103, so nothing crazy yet. He's just an athletic guy. He's an absolute beast. He was in the running for the Heisman there for a while at the running back spot, which is phenomenal. I expect him to get some draft capital as well. I expect him, you know, if he goes round two, I mean, I'm going to absolutely love some Kenneth Walker in drafts this season. And if you miss out on Brees or you need a, a good rookie running back and whoever has the 101 isn't willing to move it for a reasonable price, like, Maybe see if you can get yourself the 103 because I still think Kenneth Walker is going to be a really, really good dynasty asset, both in the short term and the long term. So We did a mock draft last night, which was posted in the Discord, posted on our Twitter, links to all that in the description down below. Kenneth Walker actually fell behind Traylon Burks to the 104. So wow. if you're in that top half of the first round, it's very reasonable for you to get Walker, especially when we look at the wide receiver landing spots. Green Bay is wide open, probably going to draft somebody. Kansas City, wide open, probably going to draft somebody. Even look at Cleveland, where there's a clear you know, open number two that they could draft. It could be a Chris Olave type name, a Drake London type name. So Walker could even fall after some of these premier receivers. So at the one of four is where it starts to get interesting. And this is where we're probably going to rattle some cages here with this pick. And I honestly, last I checked, you agree with me on this, but we'll see if that's changed because at the one of four, I'm going Garrett Wilson. There it is. I said it. I have Wilson yep. over Trey. I'm with you, dude. I have him over Drake London. I have him over Olave. I know there's been a lot of talk about Burks having this disappointing combine and all that, but I don't think it's all that disappointing. This is less about Burks combine for me, the combine for Traylon. It hurt his perception, but I don't think it hurt him as a prospect. It just didn't really help him. It's like we know what he is. He's still 87th percentile speed score, so I'm not worried about the 4.5540. Like that's plenty fast for his size in the NFL. Still an AJ Brown comp for me. Traylon's still gonna be great. This is more about Garrett Wilson just impressing me in such a big way, especially with the speed. I did not think he had 4.38 speed at that combine. I know he's a little undersized, coming in at six six foot 183. But what I like about Garrett Wilson is he's produced for multiple seasons at Ohio State. This past season, you know, 70 receptions for over 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns in just 11 games. 
And Garrett Wilson has experience both playing in the slot and playing outside. I like that versatility at the NFL level. I think about a guy like C.D. Lamb, who, yes, C.D. is a little bit bigger than Garrett Wilson, but he's not as fast as Garrett Wilson. But he has that same kind of flexibility in an offense where he can play the slot, he can play outside, and that allows the offense to really create a lot of mismatches with C.D., and it's allowed him to to make his way up that Cowboys depth chart to quickly in year two be the number one guy on that on that roster. So I think Garrett Wilson, because of some of that versatility, he can even take it out of the backfield a couple big runs at Ohio State. Like this guy can do a lot of stuff. And with that speed, with that versatility, I think he's going to come into a franchise top half of round one. That's where I expect him to go. The NFL is starting to fall in love with speed. We saw it with Waddle last year. So I expect Garrett Wilson to go in the top 15, 16 picks of this draft. I think he's going to come in, even if he's not a clear one. I mean, obviously, if if like Green Bay or Kansas City traded up and got Garrett Wilson, like this is not going to be a hot take with him at the 104. But even if you see him go to a team where he's the two, if you see him go to a team where he comes in, he's not the clear number one right away. I think some of the Houston, versatility. Houston's yeah, rumored Houston to take would be a great overall. landing spot. I know, you know, if he goes to a place like New England, he could be the one there from day one. That would be a lot of fun for Garrett Wilson. So there's some spots where he could go and be the alpha from day one, which I think he has the skill set to do. There are other spots where he could come in, be a good number two. Houston's a good example. Him and Brandon Cooks with Davis Mills. Say what you want about Mills, but he should be good enough to get Wilson the ball, and they can creatively get him in space. So there's a lot of landing spots for Wilson in the top half of this draft where I think he could go and be great from day one. I do think because of that, he's a little bit landing spot proof. Like, obviously, if he goes to, like, an Atlanta, yes, he's going to be the one, but Pitts is there, and the quarterback situation is questionable, so I wouldn't love that. But there are plenty of good offenses where Wilson could go and just absolutely crush it and be an asset for a a, a rebuilding team, obviously, but also for a contender here in 2022. The value between Wilson, Burks, London, and spoiler alert, my next pick is going to be Traylon Burks at the 105. Mm-hmm. It's razor thin and draft capital landing spot will make some of those decisions for us. Even if Wilson does go to Atlanta, still a year from now, Mariota's probably not going to be the starter. They're going to either draft a CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, if they get an early draft pick, which we love that for Garrett Wilson, uh, especially, especially if it's Stroud to kind of reunite like the Burrow the, chase. The Burrow chase, yeah, exactly. The two uh Waddle, the the Derek Carr, Devontae Adams <laughs> over a decade reuniting. People love those narratives, but we could see that as well should Wilson go to one of these the lower tier teams as far as 2022 and the quarterback spot. But I think Wilson is so safe because he fits a, a safer profile. He's more versatile of a player. He can be an explosive slot receiver. He can be an outside deep threat receiver. He fits in that profile similar to a Deontay Johnson, a Justin Jefferson, a Stephon Diggs, where even if he is the number two, he can be a very, very good number two. And if you put him as the number one, he's going to get open. He's going to make plays every level of the field. His profile is so safe. He is the early declare, the high level of competition, everything you want to see. And a lot of that could be said for Traylon Burks. Now, The difference with Burks is obviously the size. The size and athleticism is a huge difference. I used to be very much more of a fan of the big body receivers, but just based on how things are going in the current NFL, where we're seeing like Devonta Smith get early first round draft capital and actually be a fine producer. We're seeing Hollywood Brown be a fantastic producer for his ADP year after year after year. I think the NFL is trending more towards the athletic separators the Justin Jeffersons of the world versus the DK Metcalf, AJ Browns. That's not to say that those guys aren't going to be studs. And that's not to say Traylon Burks isn't going to be a stud of the next level because what Burks did in the SEC, essentially carrying Arkansas's offense over 1,100 receiving yards, 29.3% target share as a junior, 72% catch rate, super efficient, super productive, 92 targets. Like, so he wasn't even this like monster overall volume receiver to put up these season-long stat lines had 130 special teams yards as a freshman as well at Arkansas in the SEC I just love almost everything except for the breakout age from Traylon Burks but it's because he's honestly just like he's still an early declare he just is a older receiver just like I don't know if he started kindergarten late or how that played out for him <laughs> maybe he took a year off to you know go work between back. high school and college you see, you see that path uh 
I don't know what it is, but I'm not reading into that breakout age too much. I still love Traylon Burks. We're seeing him mocked right now to Green Bay. Would love to see him there as the outside X, go up and get it type receiver. And I think people are sleeping on the athleticism of Traylon Burks, the body control, the way he can go up and make plays. He's not just this like rigid, kind of like the the comfort DK Metcalf coming out of the draft and why he fell was that, oh, you know, he's only just a straight line burner. He has no nuance to his game. I think Burks coming out of college has more nuance to his game and his route tree than DK Metcalf have. Go look at the tape. Just go look at the tape. That's all I have to say on Burks 105. And the only reason he's over guys like Drake London, Chris Olave, really more Drake London is because we haven't seen Drake London test. He didn't go through the combine process because of the ankle injury. So that's why I have Burks here above him. Yeah, I love the pick. And so far, I mean, this is my, if you look at my rankings in our discord, this is my one through five. So we're right on track so far. And honestly, this 106, I'm realizing it's a really hard place to pick in this, in these drafts at this moment before we know draft capital, just based on these prospect profiles, because there's really three different directions you could go. You could go with Isaiah Spiller at the running back spot. I th- right now I have Kenny Pickett at the 106, but I'm kind of fading Pickett a little bit right now, not because not because of anything more other than just like I, I don't think the upside is there. He's a Derek Carr comp for me. I expect him to get the draft capital, but we've only saw we've only seen one year of elite production from him at the college level. That's Kenny Pickett, almost- honestly, I, I I hate saying this because I feel like I'm going to get raked through the coals, but I think Kenny Pickett is not that good. Like, I don't, I actually don't think he's good at all. If he was in yeah. any other draft class, we're talking about him as a, a late round two name as like, you know, put him at a backup behind to set it and forget a starter. Give him that, you know, late second round, sit behind Kirk Cousins type name that's not even fantasy relevant. Just the fact that this class is so weak and there are some quarterback needy teams like Carolina, Seattle, it's just inflating Pickett's value. It took him so long to actually produce at the college level in a conference with a lot of shootouts where they had a stud, target hog, receiving weapon. It's just there's a lot of weird stuff with Pickett. Like, why did it take him fifth COVID year to yeah, finally have that breakout I'm, season? I'm not taking Pickett here, so we'll have a chance to talk about him. Um, and I have him at the 106. I'm going to have to adjust my rankings because I don't necessarily think Pickett's not that good. But it's just weird to me. You're right. It, it took him so long to break out. He was like a game manager, college quarterback for a below average power five team to being an absolute gunslinger. So it's like, was he, did he just have like the year of his life or did something finally click? And is that going to cause a change for him? He's also pretty old. We'll talk about him later though. I'm not going to pick him here. I'll save that just because um, I think there's a tier of quarterbacks that is still left on the board that I'm comfortable with. And because of position scarcity, I'm actually going to go Isaiah Spiller. Ooh. There's some receivers that I like, and there's uh, several of them. There's some quarterbacks I like. There's several of them. But to me, Isaiah Spiller is a clear tear break for me at the running back spot. It is it is Brees, it's Kenneth Walker, and it's Isaiah Spiller as the top three guys in this class. And then I think there's a pretty big gap. So I'm just kind of thinking about this the way I play Dynasty. And if I'm at the 106, I want the last good running back because I can wait and get receivers and get quarterbacks later on um get quality receivers and quarterbacks later on in this draft so i'm gonna go isaiah spiller at the 106 i'm i'll be honest i'm not the most in love with him as a prospect but i do think he has a chance right now he is being projected in most places to go in round two i think worst case scenario he goes in round three of the nfl draft which that day two draft capital is something we value he did break out early um in the sec as well at texas a&m has three years of really really solid production at the college level against sec competition He's a very good receiver as, as well. He's very competent there. You comped him to Le'Veon Bell, which I think is perfect because he doesn't have that breakaway speed. He's more of this patient, methodical runner, but he has the ability to get these green passes to work in the passing game. And he still, you know, he, he doesn't have the breakaway speed, but he's fast enough. And, and he's shown that with his pro day. I think he was around a 4.6, which is fine. It's not breakaway speed, but it should be fine. Guys like David Montgomery, guys like Aaron Jones, guys like Kareem Hunt have run in that range. So he'll be okay. And to me, because he has, you know, a lot of pieces to his game as a runner, as a pass catcher, I think he can come in as a day two draft pick, make an impact to an offense right off the bat. He's not even 21 years old yet either. So I think he is going to be a valuable running back um, at the NFL level. And because he's the last guy in that tier for me at the running back spot, I'm going to go ahead and take Isaiah Spiller at the 106. It may sound spicy to some people. I think it's a great take right now. We're seeing him in mocks going 21st overall to New England, 29th overall to Miami, 25th overall to Buffalo. Now, I think that's a little bit aggressive. And you see a lot of these skill position players get overhyped going into the draft. They're just not as sexy names as these like deeper safeties, deeper 
interior offensive lineman. So, you know, it's more exciting to put a running back in the first round. I don't know if we'll see any, maybe one running back going the first round. I think a second round projected draft capital spot is perfect for Isaiah Spiller. Steph, let me ask you this. going to rely on him. Let me ask you this. I think not necessarily from a, you know, body style or athletic profile perspective, but if I think just from a production perspective, we might be able to project him close to like a Kareem Hunt type guy where he might not be the one, but he's going to be valuable. He's going to get, you know, do a lot with limited touches, be a receiving back. So if you could get 21-year-old Kareem Hunt right now, that would be pretty valuable as an RB3 for your dynasty roster. So that's where the value comes into play for Spiller. And that's kind of like the medium outcome. I think there's upside above that as well. There's a lot of runway for Spiller because he is so young. And I think that adds to some of the value insulation as well. Whereas if you look at a name like a Cam Akers, Javante Williams, these are still premium, premium assets. Even if some of the years of production haven't been great, even if there's still question marks like Melvin Gordon coming back or the Achilles tear, or even for like Antonio Gibson, right? He's had this J.D. McKissick thorn in his side every single season, but these are still these premium assets because they have the draft capital. They're super young. They're ascending running backs. And so with Isaiah Spiller, you may see him get an extension at age 24, kind of like Joe Mixon, to where he gets some stability brought to his value long-term. So I like the investment in Spiller. And this is a guy where if he goes to a wide open landing spot, a Houston Texans, a Buffalo Bills, a Seattle Seahawks, that'll be the final piece that would decide for me, Isaiah Spiller, over my seventh pick which is Drake London. I'm not dipping into the quarterback spot yet. As you said, there's this tier of Pickett, Corral, Howell, Ritter. Ritter is flying up. We're seeing mm-hmm. him going first round in a lot of these Superflex rookie mocks that we're doing with the community and that I've seen from others as well. So Desmond Ritter, we'll see if he sinks in the first round for us, but I have to go Drake London here at the 107. 6'4", 219 pounds. He's 20 years old. He broke out as a true freshman at age 18, playing with Michael Pittman and Amon Ross St. Brown. We're not going to see much testing from him, which is why I discount him a little bit. Now, I probably over-indexed on that lack of testing with like Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith last year. You know, I missed out on Jalen Waddell in Dynasty. I love them in a redraft, but I missed out on some shares in Dynasty because I just thought there were too many question marks if that elite speed was truly there, when I should have just trusted the production of field, trust the NFL scouts, trust the film community that even if he doesn't have that 40 time, even if he's not running the shuttle drills and the vertical and all that, that he is still what we thought he was on the field from his time in college. And so I'm willing to keep Drake London firmly in this top half of the first round in a 12 team PPR Superflex dynasty rookie draft. The player comp that everybody throws out there is Mike Evans. He's the red zone threat, ability to win jump balls, ability to make plays, big plays downfield. The season-ending ankle fracture it definitely hurts from a short-term perspective. But in the dynasty, I'm not overreacting that too much. We'll talk about some injury woes with Jameson Williams and even George Pickens. It's interesting how after you know Wilson and Burks, a lot of these other guys have just like injury question marks that could actually impact their draft capital as well. So that's something to keep an eye on where we saw – you know, guys like LaVisca Chanel. We saw guys like Kenny Gainwell, guys who just didn't play a ton that last year going into the NFL draft, lose some of that draft stock. Now, I don't think we're going to see that from London. We're seeing him mocked in the first round in a lot of these places. And he's a guy who can be that outside X receiver, that Mike Williams, that Allen Robinson, prototypical alpha. It may not happen year one. He may be onboarded slowly as the season goes on. But if he lands in a Kansas City or a Green Bay, we're going to see him fly up. He would probably be a lot of people's wide receiver one if that's the case. And I probably wouldn't debate that too, too hard. We'll see what the draft capital and all that says. But with London, he has a very, very clean profile. Over 70% catch rate all three years of college. Over 1,000 yards in that 2021 season in just eight games. You know, and he doesn't have for you know tread on the tires if you want to go down this narrative. Right? He only played eight games as a freshman, six games in that COVID season as a sophomore, and then only eight games before the injury as a junior. So um, he's just your prototypical outside X receiver. So you got to love him. You got to love a guy that can probably get a twenty-five percent target share after that rookie season when he's kind of fully onboarded, has that breakout. Yeah, I like the pick. I mean, you talked about the eight games this past season. In those eight games, he averaged 11 receptions, 135 yards, and a touchdown per game. 
which Crazy. is unbelievable. The Mike Evans comp is great. I got to move him up my rankings. I got him too low. But with this next pick, I'm, I'm back on the clock, and I'm staring down almost the same decision as last time. I know last time it was kind of Spiller, Pickett. Do I go receiver? I'm kind of in that same boat here. Do I go ahead and take Kenny Pickett off the board at the 108, or do I go with Chris Olave? Those are the two guys I'm really debating here. And because I'm just going to do this the way that I like to play Dynasty, I, I think there are other quarterbacks that I still like on the board. I like Sam Howell. I like Matt Corral and even Ritter. You said it. Could end up being a, a sneaky guy at the end of round one or early round two. So I'm going to go Alave here. Um, I'm going to go Alave because he's just showed us time and time again that he's a great receiver. I mean, three years of great production at Ohio State. I think he started to definitely get penalized in, in some of uh, the NFL mock drafts and in some of the dynasty community and some of the Superflex mock drafts because his senior season seemed like a drop off from the production he was putting up as a junior. He broke out as a sophomore at Ohio State at age nine at age nineteen. But we talk about this, you know, dip in production as a senior. You got to think you have Garrett Wilson there, you have Jackson Smith and Jigba there. You have three guys that are going to be round one NFL draft picks. Like, and Jigba is going to go early round one in the twenty twenty three draft. But Chris Olave last year he wasn't bad. I mean, he had sixty five receptions, nine hundred thirty six yards and 13 touchdowns at Ohio State last year. The concern is that the catch rate did come down tremendously, but I, I'm not holding that against Olave. Um, you know, new quarterback, CJ Shaw was fantastic at Ohio State, but they spread the ball around a lot. Olave still was able to put up great production. And now Olave in the combine, we see him come out with, with blazing speed that we didn't think he had. Like Olave comes out, he runs a 4-3-9-40. Like that's faster than I thought he was. It's faster than most people thought he was. And you've got a guy at six foot one eighty seven, really good size for a wide receiver. He's got the speed. He's got the production. He's going to go in round one. And right now he's being projected more of that mid to late round one. So we could see a really good team pick him up. The Packers, the Chiefs are obviously the big landing spots. We've talked about the, the Patriots as well. But I like Olave. I think he's going to be a really good receiver in the league. I don't know if he's someone who is going to be a number one receiver at any point in his NFL career. But I think he could be just a really, really strong number two be one of these high-end wide receiver two, mid-end wide receiver twos on a good offense for your dynasty roster that's going to make a big difference. And I like Pickett. I, I do in the first round. If he gets back to me, I'll probably go ahead and take him. But just because there's a lot of question marks with him at the quarterback spot and other really good quarterbacks on the board, I'm inclined to go Olave because I think Olave has a much higher chance to hit. I think the bust ability, the, the bust probability – for Olave is a lot lower than a guy like uh, Kenny Pickett. So I want that sure thing here in round one. Olave is going to be a really solid player in my opinion. So I'm going to lock him in. Yeah, I'd love to see him go somewhere with a good quarterback and be the number two. You know, like if he lands in Cleveland where Amari Cooper can play that one, Olave can be that explosive number two, stretch Z receiver. Yes. He can probably get him all over the field, front him, jet sweeps weird like handoffs he's just such an athletic freak he'll probably be doing you know kick returns things like that as a rookie where we'll see him get snaps on the field get opportunity to show out early on especially if he has that first round draft capital I think the worst case scenario as far as his production and value in fantasy would be like Christian Kirk where it's like he's this explosive mm -hmm. guy but he's not like the clear number one but like the upside's there on a week-to-week -week basis and then he falls into that like low end wide receiver two high end flex from a dynasty rankings perspective but the upside the upside is much much higher than a Christian Kirk the upside is like that Stefan Diggs prime Emmanuel Sanders where he's just this you know downfield threat all across the field but can also burn you on slants like an Odell Beckham there's a lot of ways that Chris Olave can be utilized. And I think why we have him a little bit lower compared to these other prospects is he is a little bit more landing spot dependent. I'd love to see him with a good quarterback. I'd hate for him to go to in Atlanta much more than I'd hate it for Garrett Wilson. I'd hate to see him go to a Seattle where there's just question marks at what that quarterback mm. position is. Is it Drew Locke? Is it Malik Willis? Do they, it's, it, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there for Olave. But I think now it's finally time for me to pull the trigger on Kenny Pickett. Mm -hmm. Falling to Great us here, here. Falling to us here at, at the 109. I don't love Pickett's talent. I didn't love Justin Herbert's talent coming into the draft. But when we see these quarterbacks get draft capital, you have to pull the trigger. We even saw like with Zach Wilson, a guy that you and I did not think was very good, got the draft capital, even busted out as a rookie, looked terrible, terrible, was getting outproduced by Mike White and Joe Flacco. <laughs> Yet still, people are willing to take Zach Wilson early in the top seven rounds in dynasty startups. That value insulation for these quarterbacks 
it is like, we cannot talk about it enough to where even if Pickett, let's say, goes to Pittsburgh, sits behind Trubisky for even all the year or even eight games, that value is going to be there even if he does look a little bit weak to start out his career in the NFL. And even though we were kind of dogging on Pickett for you know taking a while to produce, had to be this fifth-year senior, had to have all these things kind of break his way, to to really have that monster season we can't take away what he did a 42 to 7 touchdown interception ratio 230 rushing yards on top of a 67 percent completion percentage 4319 passing yards on 497 attempts so he had one of the best yards per attempt in all of college his qbr wasn't anything to write home about but is a guy that if the nfl believes in him the nfl believes in his arm strength he does have that gunslinger type profile a comp that I've seen thrown out there for him is Ryan Tannehill. That'd be a guy that you love to see. Just go into an offense, be an efficient passer off a of play action, can complete the deep ball, can push balls to the outside, uh, but necessarily isn't going to be game-breaking, isn't going to be this Kyler Murray, isn't going to be this Josh Allen type name under any circumstance at all. And you've, you've comped him as well to like Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield, where he could be a fine QB2 in a super flex league where you're not getting overly excited. There's still value to be had, especially when we don't know draft capital landing spot for the rest of the other names on the board. Yeah, I think it's I think it's time for Kenny Pickett there. And, and we yeah, we've talked about and, and I will a lot say of re- this. We're not fading Kenny Pickett because of the hand size. I that's just such no, an overblown that has narrative. Nothing to do with it. That yeah. would have had you fading Joe Burrow. So like get out of yeah. here with the hand size. And, and I know it sounds like we don't like Kenny Pickett, but there's just a time and place where the risk with Pickett is worth it. And yeah, if he turns into a a Derek Carr, if he turns into even a Mac Jones, that could be a, a great selection, you know, at the back end of the first round. So there's a time and place for the risk. And we just like prospects like London, like Spiller, like Olave, more than Pickett at this point. And I think because of some of that position scarcity, and there's a lot of these quarterbacks, like Pickett's probably going to be, if not the first quarterback off the board, the second quarterback off the board. But if we see the Corral, Howell, Ritter tier go in round one. I think there's just a lot more upside with those kind of names. We'll get into a couple of them later on here. But Steph, I'm going to go ahead and go back to the wide receiver spot at the 110. It's Jamison Williams. Uh, love Jamison Williams from Alabama. 6'2", 189, 21 years old. He'll be 21 years old when the season starts. Still 20 years old right now. Actually, no, he's exactly 21. Wow, happy birthday, Jamison. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Jamison Williams, we, we talked about all these Ohio State receivers. We talked about Alave. We talked about Garrett Wilson. Williams was there. He was just buried on the depth chart with some of these names, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's still there as well. He transfers to Alabama, absolutely explodes. 79 receptions, over 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns this season. And that was kind of after a slow ramp up as well. Early in the season, it was kind of like one or two catches that were really big plays. And he quickly earned his way into being the alpha wide receiver one for this Alabama offense with Bryce Young. We've had a lot of trouble classifying Jamison Williams as a player. Even right before we started, we're like, well, he's not a a Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle speed receiver, but he's not like a Jerry Judy route running extraordinaire. He's somewhere in the middle of just this hybrid receiver that can do a little bit of everything. And honestly, that's kind of what you look for in a guy that you would want as your wide receiver one at the NFL level. The the tough thing is we're not going to get the testing from Jamison Williams did tear the ACL in the national championship game. So we're not going to get the the speed score. We're not going to get the 40 yard dash. We're not going to get all these things that we want to see from Jamison Williams. So I know in the past Steph, you've said that's something that does down to your player for you. And honestly, that's why I think he's going at the back end of the first round. If he doesn't tear his ACL, if we're seeing him run the 40 at the combine, if we're seeing him at a pro day and things like that, I think there's a chance he could have been in the conversation with even Burks and uh, Garrett Wilson early in the first round. So with Jamison Williams, I think you're getting a little bit of a discount because of the injury, but he should be on the field this year as a rookie. You know, the ACL, recovering from an ACL, something that we've seen players do time and time again. It wasn't the national championship, so it was late. So I don't know if he'll be out there week one, which as a rookie can hurt you a little bit, but I think that discount is why you're getting him in the back half of the first. I think he's still going to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. A lot of good landing spots for wide receivers. So many good landing spots for wide receivers. And they're, they're going to be flying off the board, I think, in round one and round two. And because of that, I have Jamison Williams as, as someone I'm excited with at the back half of the first round. I think at the 110, you you know you're not going to get one of these sure-thing elite prospects at the 110. So to get a guy with the upside of Jamison Williams, I think it's just an absolute fantastic pick at this point in these super flex drafts. 
Jamison Williams, his first two years in college, really didn't do anything at Ohio State. And then once he transferred to Alabama, it was like the the dam opened up, the floodgates mm-hmm. were wide open. And we saw not only 118 targets, 79 receptions in 15 games, over 1,500 receiving yards, almost 1,600 receiving yards, a 21% target share, 67% catch rate, 15 receiving touchdowns. Then on top of that, 352 special teams yards and two yep. touchdowns on special teams. So this is truly an all-around weapon from that Nick Saban prototype, that that Waddle, Devontae Smith. I kind of put him somewhere between the two. I'm not comping him or saying he's anywhere even as near as good as those guys. But if we just think, want to think about the play style, the type of receiver that he is, he's going to be high yards per reception. He can get open close to the line of scrimmage, but can also be used as a downfield burner, can be used as a special team stud. After fading Jalen Waddle last year, I don't want to miss out on these hyper-athletic, slightly undersized, but – strong college producers that come out of Alabama, they just breed those guys there. So I'm willing to put those first two years at Ohio State to the side because he was so dominant at Alabama and is that early declare. And the fact that he still might go round one coming off the ACL tells you what the NFL scouting industry thinks about Jameson Williams right now. It's funny how the size concerns for Devonta Smith were, was like all we were talking about, BMI, 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 you know, having Rashad Bateman over Devonta Smith, having Jamar Chase well over Devonta Smith. Main reason people were pointing to was the size. For Jameson Williams, I see some of that concern as well, but it doesn't seem like anyone's talking about it. It seems like we were overlooking the size piece, 179 pounds from Jameson Williams. There are size concerns to his game. If there's a reason that he doesn't break out and looks more of like that Diami Brown type receiver where really exciting was a fantastic deep threat in college, but doesn't really hit at the next level. I think he's going to need some things to break his way as far as landing spot. Good news is there are, to your point, a lot of those landing spots would be a smash spot for Jamison Williams. But now we're, we're in that quarterback tier. This is like that last chance to grab top end quarterbacks when rubber hits the road post draft, right? These are our, our post combine pre-draft rankings here we have to let the NFL tell us what they think about these quarterbacks but if I'm going in blind right now with no draft capital no landing spot I'm taking Desmond Ritter right here at the 111 over Matt Corral over Sam Howell because there's two types of quarterbacks that we look for in dynasty two rookie profiles it's either the tools or the efficiency all right the tools is your Jalen Hurts That's why everyone's all over Malik Willis. That's your Josh Allen. That's your Lamar Jackson. Hyper mobile, you know, big arm type of quarterbacks. The other side is the hyper efficiency. The Joe Burrows, the Baker Mayfields, even Kyler Murray in college was very much an efficiency, efficiency, efficiency guy. Not as much a tools guy like a Jalen Hurts and some of the names you've already thrown out there. So I'm going to take the tools player because I don't think Sam Howell and Matt Corral are these hyper efficient quarterbacks and they don't do a ton on the ground I know Matt Corral is mobile he can move around he's coming off an ankle injury as well from the bowl game but I'd much rather have Desmond Ritter who if you dive into the tape I've been I was sleeping on Desmond Ritter I'll, I'll come clean I was sleeping but as I've seen him move up these mocks I've seen people have him in the first round I've had to go back and do my due diligence and say what am I missing here that everyone else is seeing what I really like to see from Ritter is that he can complete balls to the outside Now, they're not going to be these big arm Malik Willis bombs, right? Or like these Justin Fields bombs that you see in college or or Trevor Lawrence, where they can get it to the outside of their 6'3, 6'4, outside X receiver, 15 plus yards downfield. You're not seeing that from Desmond Ritter. Okay. But what you are seeing is a mobile quarterback who can extend plays behind the line of scrimmage, can make plays off script, can find tight ends down the seam, can hit guys on the outside in the short and intermediate part of the field, like within. Eight yards, if you see him throw it to the outside to these just quick out routes, looks fantastic. I think that's going to go a long way for him at the NFL level. Hopefully he can develop that arm over time. But for a guy that I know will give me that safety where he can be a conservative passer but a mobile athlete and get rushing yardage, think of like Marcus Mariota, right? Everyone's like all on this Marcus Mariota comeback trail. A lot of things happened over his career that kind of led to this, but I actually think Ritter has that Mariota type profile where he can be that conservative, like get it done through the air, 
isn't going to blow you away through the air, isn't going to be Mahomesian, isn't going to be an Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford at all in any realm of possibility, but but he can get it done enough to secure a starting job in the NFL and that rushing production get you over the top. So that's why I'm going Ritter here over Corral and over Howell. I mean, my reaction when you made that selection, the surprise, like that was authentic surprise. I know, like even before we started, you're like, oh, I got to find a way to sneak Ritter into this first round. But I'm sitting here like we got Corral and Sam Howell on the board. To me, they're I would take both of them in front of Desmond Ritter at this point. So I was genuinely really surprised with Ritter. But I see what you mean. Like the upside is there. The upside is there. But there's a lot of risks involved with Ritter. So we'll see what happens. If the, the draft board rise is real and if he really does make it into round one. But now you leave me with a tough call at the well, one. Let me, let me say one more thing about Ritter from a landing spot perspective. If he goes to a team that has a set it and forget it starter locked down long term, let's just say he goes to the Rams to be Stafford's backup. I'm fading Ritter. If he goes mm-hmm. to like Kellen Mond last year, goes to Minnesota, right? We love the tools. We love some of the rushing production from Kellen Mond, but the arm talent wasn't anything to write home about. He's like firmly entrenched, stuck behind Kirk Cousins. And even when Kirk Cousins went down over the year, they put Sean Mannion in over Kellen Mond, right? It's like over for Kellen Mond. I think if Ritter goes to an Atlanta where he's behind Mariota or behind a, a Trubisky in Pittsburgh where it's not this firmly entrenched starter, he's behind Carson Wentz or even Indianapolis behind Matt Ryan where it's like this is a short-term Band-Aid solution where Ritter just needs to develop a little bit and he can – get that opportunity as the starter. I like him a lot more. And that's why this year I'm going to keep saying this over and over again because it's so different compared to the last three or four draft classes where the fact that the quarterback class and even the running back class at the top end is so weak and we don't know where this draft capital is going to land, we're going to see some major swings in dynasty value mm-hmm. where guys are moving up full tiers where typically we're very much like all about the player talent, all about the profile. We're not moving guys outside of that tier. The landing spot will, will make some decisions for us on the margins. I think this year those margins are a lot bigger based on those landing spots and draft capital. Yeah, and just as a reminder, at the end of the day, I'm glad you brought it up because these prospects and how we have them ranked, it's a blend of talent, draft capital, and landing spot. You know, you're right. In the past, talent's been the number one thing. And we talk about the combine. We talk about all that kind of stuff. That's not going to tear a player up or down. That's going to impact the draft capital they get. That's going to impact what we think of their player talent. But that alone is not a mover. That's just something that influences those big three pieces. So at this class, you're right. When we're making our rankings right now before the draft, we can know what we know about the talent. But we can only make assumptions about draft capital. We, we can't even say anything about landing spot right now. Even, you know, draft capital, a guy like Ritter, if he was being mocked everywhere in round three, you're probably not picking him here. Because he has started to be mocked in round one consistently, you can make the assumption, okay, there's a really good chance he's going to go in round one. I'm going to move him up my rankings. With landing spot, we can't really assume anything at this point. Other than the top of the draft, like in the, in the past, sometimes the 101, 102, 103 in the draft, it's like, okay, we feel like it's kind of chalky. We don't even have that this year. So we know what we know about talent. We can make assumptions about capital. We don't know anything about landing spot. So that's why it's going to shift so much. But with that, I have a tough call here between Corral and Sam Howell. And in my rankings right now, I have Corral ahead of Howell. But sitting here on the clock, I feel like if I was really in this situation, I don't know, man. I like Sam Howell a lot. I like both of these guys, but I'm going to take Sam Howell here, which I think is a little bit of a hot take. It's close. It's really, really close. But the only reason I'm taking Howell is for the upside because through his career at North Carolina, he showed us that he can do it all. I mean, at age 19, he threw for 3,600 yards, 38 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Like, what an incredible season for a 19-year-old freshman quarterback, right? And then the next year, he follows it up with 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions. The completion percentage goes up from 61 to 68%. He shows a lot of progression as a passer, adds some rushing yards, you know, only 146 rushing yards in that second season at UNC. So going into the 2021 college season, I remember Sam Howell was like the guy from this class. Like he was the guy. And we have to remember they lost every single weapon from their offense. They lost Javante Williams. They lost Michael Carter. They lost Deami Brown. Who else am I forgetting? They Daz lost Newsom. Daz Newsom. They lost everything from this offense. So Sam Howell this past season, as a passer, as expected, the production comes down. The efficiency comes down. But he still throws for 3,000 yards. 62% completion percentage. Not great. 
and then 24 touchdowns to nine interceptions. But the difference in this past season, when the weapons weren't there, we saw Sam Howell elevate as a runner. And no, he's not necessarily even fast. He's just a big, strong, physical guy. So he doesn't have the size of a Josh Allen. But when when I watch Sam Howell play, at least at the college level, the way he would run, just lowering a shoulder into guys and things like that, reminded me of Josh Allen. Because this past year, in 2021, I talked about the passing numbers, but he ran for 828 yards, added a ton of rushing touchdowns as well. I'll need to spot check what that number is. But Sam Howell, to me, showed the rushing ability in 2021. And that's why from a dynasty fantasy football perspective, I'm going to take him here at the 112. I think there's a lot of work to do as a passer. You think about the word raw prospect. We hear it every single year. And that can be anything from Josh Allen to Mitch Trubisky, right? Like there's a huge range of outcomes for Sam Howell. But I think the upside is there. If he gets a landing spot, even if he doesn't start from day one, he could come in. Even Trubisky, when he's the starter, we like him as a good streaming option. Who has Daniel Jones, same type, of, same type of value. So obviously that's kind of like the the easy comp, but I think the upside is is higher than that because imagine if Daniel Jones would have hit from an efficiency and a winning standpoint. Imagine if Trubisky would have hit just as a passer from a winning and, and an efficiency standpoint. Sam Howell could. I'm not saying he will, but he could. So that's why at the back end of the first round, if I can get that, we talked about with Malik Willis, it's so hard to acquire these top-tier quarterbacks in dynasty leagues. And if you drafted Josh Allen uh, you know, before the 2020 season in a startup, you probably got him in the sixth or seventh round and your team's probably stacked right now. So Sam Howell is one of those guys at the back half of the first round could be nothing. Could be a Trubisky, could be a Daniel Jones, could be, I'm not saying a Josh Allen, but could be one of these upside guys with his ability to, to be a good passer. If he can really refine some of those mechanics and then he could add some value with his legs as well. So Sam Howell at the 112, I think is a fantastic pick. And I do like Corral as well. He would be the easy 201 for me if we were going to go into the second round. But I know we'll get into more of those breakdowns later. And there's a tier of guys like George Pickens, Rashad White, Zamir White, Kevin Harris, Jahan Dotson, Christian Watson, a lot of other fun, exciting names. I have so many second-round picks this year because, of course, all of my dynasty teams <laughs> dominated and those were turned into late first. And I moved those late first to get win-now pieces so I can tend again. So I have a lot of second-round picks. And I'm really excited for the second round this year. Contrary to a lot of other years, because that top-end talent is so weak at the quarterback and running back spot, there's so many just like spray-and-pray running backs from Jerome Ford, Brian Robinson, a few of the guys I already mentioned, David Bell, Sky Moore, a lot of exciting, exciting names in round two that you don't typically see. I think back to 2020 when you had you know, T. Higgins in the second round, LaVisca Chanel in the second round, some really exciting, fun prospects that you want to go all in on in that even mid to late second round, like Amon Ross, St. Brown, Kadarius, Tony last mm-hmm. year. So Alex, I think that's it for today's episode. If y'all want to see round two, you want to see us dive into those deeper names. We've already gone through it on the channel. You can check those out. Those were pre combined. So there has been some additional information brought into the fold. Let us know if you want to see round two. We appreciate y'all listening and watching. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.